With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Pitt fans? Noah Hiles, Chris Carter here with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And as always, we got another Pitt mailbag. Chris is locking in here. Let's go, Uh, baby. I appreciate it. All right, so the Panthers, of course, coming off another loss, if we're talking about the football team, that is. uh, Losing Saturday night at Yankee Stadium 28-13 to the Syracuse Orange, the basketball team. Meanwhile, uh, we don't know the result from Monday's game as we're recording this Monday afternoon, but a great first week of the regular season at the very least for Jeff Capel's team. They started the season 2-0. and We'll see, obviously, how they play out Monday evening. We won't be able to comment on that one because we're recording now. Uh, but a lot to get into, football and basketball questions. But first off, Carter, how's it going? Any opening thoughts as we get started here? Oh, man, just that uh, basketball has been very fun so far, and there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this team. Still have a lot to prove. They still haven't played anybody real yet, but really good signs, and we'll get into what those are in the show. Absolutely. Before we get into it, we got to talk about the show's presenting sponsor, which is Mike's Beer Bar. Whether you're in for a Steelers, Pirates, or Pit game, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park and has the best selection of beer in town as well as amazing food options. They have over 20 TVs, and you can catch all of your NFL, college football, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, and Premier League action right at Mike's. Come on in and try one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of them being local beers, as well as 80 different local craft beers available on tap. You can also get a flight to try out every option you could dream of, and trust me, you won't run out of favorites because I never do, and I'm always there. Try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you can choose how hot you want your steak cooked with a heated stone right in front of you as you enjoy a night out in Pittsburgh. Come on in to Mike's Beer Bar and get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. First question of the mailbag comes from Bill. He wants to know, he says, do you do you all speculate on what coaches will be back next season? It's a little morbid since these, uh, since these are folks' jobs, but it's also the reality of the coaching profession. At any rate, even though there haven't been many bright spots in any area of the team, just based on tenure and track record, it would seem like Randy Bates, Charlie Partridge, Tim, and Tim Salem would have the highest likelihood of returning, while Frank Signetti, of course, would have the highest odds of not. But who else would join him on this list, potentially? Tycon Underwood, Ryan Manilak? I like this question. Um, obviously, we've talked about coaching changes uh, many times this season on mailbags. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the year kind of unfolds, we hear more and more stuff. Carter, I'll start with you. Um, we can just go through personally who we think is safe and who we think will be gone. I think Tyquan Underwood's safe. I think the receivers have performed well. Pat Narduzzi even talked about that when I asked him about the wide receivers, just saying that they've grown and they've shown the kind of stuff that you want to see from a group, even while the the rest of the whole team is struggling. Um, so Tyquan Underwood, I think is safe. Um, you know, Tim Salem, I think, you know, he's just a lifer. So yeah, tough to, like yeah. he's just uh, he, he. I have a hard time. But here's the other thing: is that Pat Narduzzi has shown a lot of loyalty to several of these coaches. Andre Powell's been around since he got here. Uh, Tim Salem has. Dave Borbley has. Um, 
like you know that and so if there's changes there's gonna be that that they, it would be to some guys that have been with Pat Narduzzi for quite some time and um I, I look at I look at those guys right there especially Borbley and Powell at you know not that Pat Narduzzi is gonna want to get rid of them but I feel like he's like the if you're pay, if you're people behind the scenes that have any influence on what Pat Narduzzi and telling Pat what Pat Narduzzi has to do if he wants to not be on on less of a hot seat next year, um, it, it would be to make some changes on offense with how things operate. Uh, you know, Frank Signetti seems to be like an obvious choice just with how the offense has performed this year. Um, but at the same time, you know, I look at the you know Pitt's offensive line hasn't pr- progressed. Like, you know, and granted, lots of injuries to this group. Like, you know, that Dave Borbley can't help, can't help that. But there are a lot of young guys, you know, like Ryan Bear that I thought we'd see more progress from. And we just we haven't seen the progress from them as much. Um, the running back room, you know, it kind of just is what it is. And special teams hasn't been great. So those are both under Andre Powell's, uh, you know, watch. And again, this isn't me saying I'm going to get fired. But I was like, if, I, if, if you put a gun to my head and said, hey, you got to pick, two, you know, a couple guys that would be looked at. Those would be the first two that I would that I would say like would have the the likelihood of being looked at for that. What about you? Uh, my rankings, I, I think there are four guys who I I would not be shocked to see gone. Um, number one is the easy one, Frank Signetti. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't know the specifics of his contract. I'm not even sure that he's under contract next season. Those details have never been made public mm-hmm. to my understanding. So I, I'm not even sure if this guy is under contract next year. And if he's not, then there's just no way he's back. But regardless, even if he is, I don't expect Frank Signetti Jr. to be back. And that goes with pretty much everything anyone on the beat has heard, um, that it, it seems like he is is done at the end of the year. Um, number two on this list of guys who I don't expect to be back would be Coach Borbley. Um, I think yeah. it might be more of a mix of I don't know how old coach Borbley is, but I know he's not a spring chicken. He's been in this coaching game for a while and it's becoming tougher and tougher to coach college football. You know, you got to think about when he started, what the task list was for an offensive line coach and Mm -hmm. what it now has become with how much extra effort goes into recruiting and player retention and how the games evolved. Um, I think it might just be time where he recognizes that he's done. Uh, and if not, like I could see him also maybe being let go or having a mutual parting of ways. Uh, but just based on stuff I heard, I wouldn't be shocked if he was gone at the end of the year. Um, two other guys that I have question marks about one of them is Andre Powell. Uh, like you said, Chris, I mean, Powell and, and, and Narduzzi go way back. They coached together at Rhode Island. Uh, I mean, I remember last year when Andre was telling stories about how Pat, like, as a young assistant was redoing the cabinets in the <laughs> yeah, coach's office, and, um, <laughs> which was funny, but you know, will that loyalty be put to test? Like you said, he's been loyal, but let's take an honest look at what Andre Powell has been responsible for this year. The running back position has not been great. And you look at the special teams as a special teams coach, it's been bad. So, mm-hmm maybe that's enough for him to make a change or maybe just get a demotion where he's just the running backs coach and they bring in someone else who assumes a position role plus special teams duties. I don't know. Um, I would say that one's 50, 50 and another one that I'm 50, 50 on is coach Underwood. Um, I don't think he's done anything to be relieved of his duties. I think anytime your OC gets let go, 
anyone who's in charge of coordinating the passing game, I believe he and Signetti came in around the same time. They might just be kind of a package thing where if one goes, the other's going to go. And I, and whereas Signetti, I don't know what his next stop will be. I think if Underwood leaves, it will be to take a job elsewhere. I don't think he'll be relieved of his duties. I think mm-hmm. if Signetti goes, I wouldn't be shocked to say Underwood or see Underwood say, you know, read the writing on the wall and just be like, you know what? I'm going to go work somewhere else. Um, which, you know, he's a young coach. Like, like that's going to happen. So I, yeah. I don't know if it'll even be a lateral move. Maybe it'd be an upward move. I don't think it would be a, like a backtrack or a lesser opportunity. But I think if in, in this situation, it would make sense where if the OC who probably helped hire him was, was gone, that he would probably go seek employment elsewhere. So those would be the four guys that I keep an eye on. Like you said, uh, Chris, and what what uh, Bill said in his question, I agree. I mean, Tim Salem is he's here for the long run. I, yeah. I, he might be here after Narduzzi, whenever that <laughs> is. That's just a guy. Uh, I was joking with someone the other day how uh, you know every coach on the staff could get fired, but Tim Salem's going to be out on the East Coast scouting three star quarterbacks yep. and linebackers, you know, finding a next great player from New Jersey. That's just what's going to happen. So he'll be back. Charlie Partridge ain't going anywhere. Um, I don't expect Randy Bates to go anywhere. Um, and Ryan Manilak, I, I think, is, is in the same boat as Underwood, where if he leaves, it will be for a better opportunity because I think his linebackers had a really good season. But I don't expect him to leave simply because that's probably going to be their best position group on the team next year. Yeah. So uh, I I would expect him to stick around, and then both secondary coaches Archie Collins and Corey Sanders, um, don't expect them leaving, not on their own terms. You know, you never know after two and seven, two and whatever the season ends being. Best case scenario, four and eight. Worst case scenario, two and ten. Some guys might just want to change the scenery, and and can you blame them? Possible. Uh, but out of all the people who are kind of forced out, I would say it would go Signetti 1, Pal 2, Borbs 3, and then Underwood 4. That would be my rankings. So, On the note of departures, Russ wants to know, do you expect to see a large group of players leave in the transfer portal at the end of this season, or will the fact that most of them are young and can return as a starter, will that be enough to keep the team's core together? I'll start with this one. I think there will be a larger number of total transfers this year. I mean, you even look last year, like it wasn't like they only lost one or they lost a decent amount of guys. Like I I don't have the exact number in front of me. It feels like at least five to 10 Mm -hmm. left. You figure two receivers, a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball. Um, There just weren't a lot of significant departures. I would say probably the most significant portal, obviously the starting quarterback left and then John Morgan on the defensive side of the ball. But no one really, no one else really like that big of a name left. Where I think this year, yeah, you're going to see probably a more notable name leave. I'm not sure who that will be. Um, but I think where, where it's going to stand out is Pitt has a lot of guys who can be a graduate transfer. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, John Morgan last year, where these guys had been around for three, four, some in case, in some cases, five seasons where they can go somewhere else for one final year. And it might not be anything against the program where it might just be like, look, I don't want to have to compete for a starting job or, you know, my position coach just got let go or 
I've been here for five years. It's time for a change of scenery. It's time for the younger guys to get an opportunity. One of those three factors could lead into someone. Um, and this isn't anything I've heard, but just for example, like a guy like Bub Means has another year. A guy like Dan yeah. Hayes, a guy like Nate Temple, a guy, you know, players like that, Brandon George, who all have one year of eligibility where there are talented young players around them and they might just want to go somewhere else where maybe they could get a little bit of NIL money um, and, and be a bigger focus because they were brought in through the portal. So that's what I would see. Yeah, I do think that the number is going to be higher. I don't think you're going to see a ton of players where when you read their name and think, wow, like that's a big loss. Because um, quite frankly, I mean, when you're 2-10 and 10, or 2-8 and eight right now, that you're not getting great production from many people. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. So I guess that's the way to round this up is yes. I do think there will be more transfers. I'm not sure how many young starters with multiple years of eligibility will be gone, but I do think there will be a decent amount of guys who take their final senior year or their COVID year as a graduate transfer somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a, uh, this is a group that that also has a bunch of guys that have played together for a bit. Um, and I think that counts for a lot with, for, for them. Um, Pitt's retained guys. Now, we haven't seen ha Pitt have to try to retain people in the NIL era after a losing season. Right. So that'll be interesting to watch. But, like, you know, we heard noise about how, you know, going into 2022, you know, teams are trying to take away Kalaja Kansi. Teams are trying to take away Brandon Hill. And both of them stayed home. Um you know, and granted that was after an ECC championship season. So like, you know, it's, it's a different, uh, different tone, but uh, to, to what you're saying, I, I think that uh, there's, there's a, there's a lot still built up here for a lot of guys. And they, I think there's, there's also a sense that they can turn, turn the ship around um, ne next year. If a few, if a few things go their way. So, yeah, I, I think there will be plenty of people, but not many pillars that leave if you know what i'm saying like guys right guys who were seen as cornerstones for the potential of the of this team there might be one of those types of guys that goes because you never know with the transfer portal it can be it can get very wild and it also depends on who they get in the transfer portal because it could very well come turn out to be that they that some of these guys end up leaving because they get word of who's coming through the transfer portal and it might take their spot uh to wrap this up i i will say it will be interesting to see who walks Thursday night on senior mm -hmm. night um, because because with the COVID thing and there's only a couple more years where guys have this extra year of eligibility I believe it's this year and next year um, so well yeah I, I think the bulk of the people who leave will be players that if the COVID year had not existed they would probably be just out of eligibility anyway right. um, I think everyone who walks pretty much this year on senior night will be gone uh, I think that that's a safe assumption to make or a very very large percentage uh where what that wasn't necessarily the case last year so we'll move on now bill wants to know thursday's matchup with oh with thursday's matchup being against boston college is there any chance we see phil Dracovic get some playing time if so where i want to start this off by saying we saw the impact a tight end under center can have on offense on saturday i mean syracuse <laughs> had a leading rusher and a leading passer that was a tight end. And that guy was also recruited to play quarterback out of high school by Pitt. Um, sorry to make that joke. But no, in all seriousness, I do expect to see Phil on the field. Yeah. And I think we will see him in a multiple or in a multitude of ways. I, I don't I would not be shocked to see him out on special teams where we saw him a little bit. I believe that was the Florida State game where he was on the punt return unit 
Um, I think that on offense, they're going to use him in a unique way. I, I don't expect him to play quarterback, uh, but I think they could use him as like a hybrid wildcat type thing, not exactly what Syracuse did last weekend, but something where it's clear he's going to run, but you have to play him honest because he did play quarterback and he can throw. Um, I don't expect him to be in like a three-point stance and line up at tight end. But if there were an over-under on total touches for Dracovic, I would take over half a touch. I think he will get at least a carry or a reception against the Eagles Thursday. Maybe even a pass. You know what? I'll say that too. Just, yeah. over. I'll even go over under one and a half. I think he will have at least two I'll take, I'll take involvements on a play. Yeah. Carter, yeah, what about I'll you? I'll take the over. I can I can see jet sweeps. I can see all sorts of things. I think they'll 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 throw them in there, and especially because like now like this ain't. I know Pat Narduzzi is gonna say he's gonna say we're playing to win and all that, but like now there's there, there's not nearly as much pressure to like like you got the ACC championship on the line. They're gonna they're gonna go play with play with their hearts out, and part of their hearts out is has been Phil. And and one thing I think across the board, what we've heard this year nobody's lost Phil. Like, like no one, no, the players aren't like, bah, you know, he's, oh, he's a right. tight end now. We don't care. People like him and like him because of the effort that he's put in. And he never, he like, at, at least to our knowledge, he has not sit and moan and complained or anything. He was just like, how can I help this team still? It's my, I only got, I only got like a, like about a month left of football in my, in my collegiate career. I'd love to find a way to contribute. And he is doing that. So I think the team will be more than happy. I mean, you saw uh, in the what was that game when they when they called the QB sneak? Uh, was Florida that was State. that uh, that was Florida State? When he got that, the whole team was like dapping him on the helmet, right. like they were they were sized for for Phil. I, I think the team wants something like this to happen. I think that the that Signetti will give that to him. Pat will be more than happy to give that to him, and I think the players will want to will want to help make that make that moment for him happen. I agree, and 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 in a year like this where there just hasn't been a lot of things to be excited about. I think that that gives your team a spark when you can give a moment to a guy like that. So yes, Steve wants to know who do you two think will start at quarterback Thursday and to follow up. Who do you two think should start at quarterback on Thursday? Carter, I'll let you start with this one. It should be Christian and it will be Christian. Um, listen, I know there's frustration with how he's played and there's been a lot of mistakes. It's not clean at all. I'm not saying that Christian has, you know, he, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be a Christian Bayer truth truth or anything. But uh, when they put Nate Yarnell in, you could see the difference. Like, like there was a play where you know everything was kind of li- lined up and okay, and he just gets skittish for no reason, and he just starts r- starting. He start, he starts running, and it's like, what? Why? Why are you trying to move? They have the alignment you want. The offensive line is protecting. And that's something that you don't see as much from Christian. You know, Christian made made some terrible mistakes. The interception that he threw, the pick six, there was no excuse for that. The two fumbles that he had, no excuse for those those, those either. Um, and, and so, like, you know, he he's the but I see more of the potential in Vayer, um than I than I have seen in Nate Nate Yarnell. I think Nate Yarnell is a solid backup option that can give you a spark if you absolutely need to change in game because a guy is just out of his mind playing terribly. And, 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 you know, can't be fixed in, in the game. But as far as a guy, you stick with Christian Bayer right now. You you have him finish the season out and, uh, and and go from there. And if you want to bring him back next year, great. But this game, it, it should be and it will be Christian Bayer. 
I I'm not a hundred percent confident that it's going to be Vayner really? all by himself. I I wouldn't okay. be shocked to see it be like a two quarterback thing for the rest of the year. Um, because Pat's done that in the past where they played yes. multiple guys, and I, I think you've got to a point where you know he he uses the term "we're trying to win a football game." It might be in your best interest to give both guys an opportunity if you're trying to win a football game because you need to see who's playing better. Because Christian, you know, you give him the pass against teams like Florida State and Notre Dame, but his worst game of the season came against the worst team he's played this year. So yeah. I, I think at the very least, yeah, you, you give Yarnell an opportunity here. Um, I think Christian starts. I think he should start, but I wouldn't be shocked at all. And I'm hoping to keep digging and maybe find some more stuff out uh, on on this, um, which is you know what we're paid to do. But you know I haven't heard anything concrete right now. But I would not be totally caught off guard if we saw Nate Yarnell come in and just get a couple of snaps. Maybe they alternate quarters or series. I don't know what will what that would look like, but. I'll just say, yeah, I, I don't think it will be Christian Veyer getting 100% of the snaps with the ones on Thursday. So, and that's just going off of my own educated guesses here because I was okay. asked the question. Um, Bruce wants to know, okay, football talk is done. Carter, take a deep breath. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bruce wants to know, is it wrong to be super excited about how pit basketball has looked in the first week of the season, or are we jumping the gun? Well, Bruce, they just lost by 30 to Florida Gulf Coast Monday night. I'm just kidding. We don't know. Uh, we don't know how Monday night went because we're recording um, this at three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I don't want to assume either way. So we'll just speak on the first week, judging off the first week. I'd say be optimistic. I wouldn't, you know, declare this team an ACC champion. But what I would say is how that team looked in the first week of the season this year was equivalent to what Pitt looked at its best last year at any moment. You look at their most dominant performances when they were blowing out Louisville midseason. I think that's when the team was really firing on all cylinders. Um, the second Louisville game especially. Mm -hmm. Just the way they dominated Louisville, who, let's be honest, isn't that far away from a Binghamton and North Carolina A&T uh, last year's good. Louisville team compared to those teams this year. Um, Pitt looked really good. Now, yeah. again, I think they see another step up in competition Monday against Florida Gulf Coast, and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think Jacksonville is – a decent opponent, but then the real games start next week in, in Brooklyn. Uh, but overall, yes, there, there is certainly a reason in my opinion to be encouraged. Um, but don't go thinking that this team's just, you know, don't go thinking we're back in the heart of the Jamie Dixon era. And this team is a lock to be a four seater better in the tournament. It, they still have a lot to prove before they're anything aside from frisky. Right. Yeah. Now. But at the same time too, it's like, you know, the, the, for, for for quite some time, these games were not easy for Pitt. No, they there were not. Were not. <laughs> there were some struggles. I covered Pitt when they lost to the Citadel, and buddy, woof, that was uh, those were some dark times. And like the next day, Judah Mintz decommitted, and it was just 
the program was on fire. So for them to not only be winning these games, but to be beating these teams like Pitt normally used to beat teams that were non-conference, start of the season, just pushovers, that's a good, that's a very good sign. And you have every right to be excited about it. And I also think the ways that they're doing it, they're athletic. They can still shoot. Multiple people can still shoot. Their length is is good. Their depth is good. They're getting, yeah. they're letting these guys play a little bit, and they're having fun together. They seem to like each other. That's all. That's a lot of boxes to check right now, and those are boxes that weren't always checked in the Jeff Capel era. So, um, as far as should 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 you does it feel right or does it not feel right to to be excited? Be excited right now. You you're a Pitt fan. You you see you've seen you saw last year and what and what that could do for you. I think that the more positivity that goes into this, you know, I'll be interested to see. Uh, I, I'll ask this question to you. I'll jump in on the on the mailbag here, Noah. Do okay. we see or how how soon do we see a sell a packed a packed Pete this year? Because it hasn't been packed in any of the first oh. two contests, but that's that's normal for you know these these types these types of games and Pitt's still not you know back to its its prowess yet, but. How long would you say before that we see a packed Peterson event center? Let me pull up the schedule. I also want to add on to the fact that another reason to be optimistic too is there have been two instances and one in each game where I think in past years, things would kind of fall apart for Pitt. In, in the season mm. opener, the best player on the team gets two fouls in the yep. first seven minutes. And in past years, that kind of leads to a scoring drought. But instead, yep. they figure it out. Um, and they get like a crazy scoring rampage from Jorge Diaz Graham and the, the, the show goes on. Then you look at Friday night, they started ice cold from the field. Mm-hmm. And the fact that no one really blinked and it was just, all right, we're just going to play the hot hand now until everyone else figures it out. That's a sign of a good team that they're not rattled by these early mistakes. As far as an early sellout goes, it depends on how Brooklyn goes. If this team goes to Brooklyn and beats Florida and either Oregon State or Baylor, if especially it beats mm-hmm. Baylor, you're looking at a game Woo! at home Monday, that following Monday against Missouri. Don't expect that to be sold out. It's the Monday after Thanksgiving, but there will be a good crowd there. And then you go to at Morgantown. Or no, 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 excuse me. After the Missouri game, is a sa- a Sunday home game at 2 p.m. against Clemson. Clemson. Yeah. Now, are the Steelers playing that Sunday? They are. They are playing the Cardinals, but it's the Cardinals. Um, but if the Steelers are good, I don't still at know. That point, yeah, I don't know. Tough. See, that's so tough. I part of me, my brain, I thought that was the week they played New England, and I was like, if the Steelers are off that Sunday and Pitt's still unbeaten and Clemson's good, I thought that could be the first sellout, but. Nope, the first sell it's going to be on, I don't know, because the North Carolina game's on January 2nd. That's when everyone's on break. So I don't know if that's going to be a sellout. Yeah, it's tough. I would say probably the ninth against Duke will probably be the first sellout. That's a good, I think that's a good bet. I I feel like most people will be back on campus then. I feel like based off the way things are trending, Pitt will be in a favorable spot. That could be a ranked matchup, you know, top 25 matchup. uh, Yeah. Tuesday night, 9 p.m. tip, that's kind of tough. But I think that the hype around Duke, uh, the hype that if they can beat West Virginia, if they can avoid an upset against Syracuse, if they can beat North Carolina, I mean, we'll be well into the basketball season by that point. I think either Duke 
or that Saturday, the 23rd against Notre Dame, those would be my first two. Or Saturday, the the 3rd, excuse me, in February will be the first two sellout opportunities. Yeah. Oh, no, it's hard hard to sell out. Yeah, it's hard to sell out that place when, you know, on a Sunday game, like, the circumstances just aren't ideal. Like, they've got big games, but people aren't going to be on campus for those games. Um, And it's just early in the season. But I I think once it gets rolling, I'll say this. I think there will be more sellouts than there were last year. There were two last year. I would say I put the over-under at four and a half this year. So. I think it's a good number. Yeah. Yes. All right. Carter, any final thoughts? Uh, just that I'm excited to cover this basketball game that's technically already happened by the time you're listening to this. So um, we'll have a lot going on going on there. Um, it's senior day. I'll say this, too. It's senior day this week for the uh, for, for pit football um, guys at Boston College. You know, I I hope that they that, they, you know, these are guys that I've covered for years now and guys that we've covered all season and last season. And. I hope that these guys still get to relish a senior their senior day. I know that you know for them this is the worst season that they've been a part of. But those type of things, you know, you don't ever get that back again unless you're you know COVID years. You have gotten that back again. Can you pick a block twice? Uh, But it's still (laughs) something that should be celebrated and should be respected. And I I hope that you know the the season doesn't necessarily spoil them being able to to enjoy a minute to reflect on not just the day but the commitment that they made, the support that they got from their families and the support they got from their teammates uh, to celebrate the times that they've been at Pitt. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I think that's a good place to wrap it up on. For Chris Carter, I'm Noah Hiles. We're signing off saying keep tuning in to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network for all of your Pittsburgh sports coverage by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.